Yeah, I mean, honestly, the Green Roof Podcast, it's a bunch of young, innovative people. I mean, when they're starting off with everything, when you're starting off with a business, you're starting off with, like, an idea. You want to have that first, like, mindset to do something. And I feel like, you know, Nelson, he's pretty much building that framework to kind of make things great, honestly, especially in Carbondale, SIU, wherever you're at. Yeah, they're um, they're pretty much just leading by example, you know. Once you see a group of entrepreneurs and people doing good things, you kind of follow the lead and, you know, just like to see what they're doing. So they're doing pretty well. That's why we joined them, and, you know, we're going to continue to support them. Welcome to another episode of Young Entrepreneurs with the Green Roof team. Today we have special guests from H&F Visions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. H&F Visions, man. We uh, first started out in Milwaukee, and now we're trying to expand. Awesome. Yeah. Well, would you guys like to introduce, introduce yourself to the audience? All right. So uh, my name is Drew Francis from Skokie, Illinois. Um, went to Wisconsin Platteville, um, studied industrial technology management there, minored in industrial control systems, and um, studied entrepreneurship there as well. And um, yeah, just been trying to go hard with the business and um, just keep grinding. <laughs> and then uh, my name is Derek. Um, also went to Platteville, same major, um, industrial technology management with the industrial controls minor. Um, just trying to keep grinding, just recently got a job, so, you know, trying to do entrepreneurial work on the side and then, you know, focus on my main job as well with the goal of eliminating that in the future, so it's going pretty good. Awesome, Moberg. Gonna begin the episode off a bit easy. So I know, Andrew, we met in high school. Yeah. How did the two guys meet at Platteville? So um, we yeah you so we pretty much um we started off like in the mindset of like football 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 so um Platteville's a D three college it's in the WIAC conference and um, essentially it's pretty much one of the top D three conferences um, in the nation and um, just I tried out for the team and um, we pretty much met there he was in the same like vicinity the same circle um, so that's where we first met just on the football team. And then our dorms were pretty much right next to each other. So all the guys that were in that same area, we just hung out together, ate together, played football together. So that's really where it started, honestly. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, once we got into our um, later years in college, we kind of just that the entrepreneurial set always was like in my mind frame. But once, you know, I got closer to graduation, it kind of just kicked in even more so that's how that kind of kicked off like I said we hung around the same people and it's like we just so happened to like his family lives down the street from me and it just so happened to like work like that it's kind of weird but yeah that's how it happened so awesome awesome then you both are from Skokie um I'm actually from Milwaukee Wisconsin so yeah mm -hmm. Milwaukee area so. so I got a lot of family in Milwaukee so like during breaks and stuff like that we realized that all oh, my family lives like <laughs> five minutes away so Small world, honestly, that's awesome. And I know, like, small world. That's kind of like how our team formed up. Like, mm -hmm. just kept taking people, and then you'll oh, and it's like oh, I know that person too. Don't know how from across halfway across the country, but yeah. it works yeah. out and just build a bond. True. Yeah, good. So transitioning from football to entrepreneurship, was there like a clear cut like aha moment, or was it kind of like just came from internal and it built over time? Um, for me, it was kind of like a, I wouldn't say an aha moment, but it's definitely a different type of, um, 
what's the word for it? Different type of direction you have to go in. You kind of have to like change your mindset because you can't, you're not going to grow your business if you don't do anything because it's not just going to come to you. So I guess with football, it's always been instilled to kind of just work hard. So the transition was, it was kind of easy. Like now, sometimes I can't say on my part, there's things that, you know, you're going to slack somewhere, but obviously when you're working with a partner, like with this being our first uh, business venture, it's kind of easy to like, you know, pick up where that person's left off on or encourage your partner to try to, you know, get to a common goal, so. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of want to expand on that too. It's like, when you're playing a sport, you're always in the mindset of, okay, you got to train, you got to watch film, you got to perform when you're, when you're in the game. And then it's the same thing in entrepreneurship. You got to put in the work, you got to do the research. You actually have to go out there. If you're selling something, you got to sell something. And then what separates, you know, a side hustle from a business a business has like different systems in place it's so, like when we first started off that was like our main thing you know we were just kind of hustling trying to get atm contracts trying to get merchant services contracts trying to expand the business but then all of a sudden you have to put different systems in place because you might not be the best salesperson you might not be the best social media marketer but you can hire different people to run that thing for you yeah. or you can delegate those tasks to different people so it's uh, I'm sorry. And then uh, that's kind of what we're doing now, just to kind of piggyback. Like we're trying to, you know, outsource like cold callers so that, you know, obviously with work and the time of day that we get, our time zone, say if we're calling in different states, you know, it's kind of late where we're calling. So we kind of don't get that freedom of, you know, you know, we usually probably only get like the weekends if we want to call them between that early time frame. So like I said, just outsourcing. Um, just different tasks just to automate our business to make it easier for us, which would be good in the long run. So. Kind of like a football team, you have everyone ha is like specialized in their position and they are the best at what they do. True. Okay. True. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like that's that's like something where we're trying to like focus in on and key in on because like you both have like that visionary mindset where you know we see where we want to be, but it's not like we weren't the best salesmen in the beginning. We didn't know exactly what to say, what the benefits were of like an ATM or a point of sale system. But that's where you have to find like different mentors or different people who actually know those specific things are, are key in that. Your kicker is not going to be your quarterback or your lineman's not going to be your linebacker. Like you have to make sure you delegate those tasks because that's what's going to make a good team. So, yeah, we've been we've been learning along the way. Like our first location, like say on the install, there's problems with the install, and you know just for you know social media hacks. You know we just been learning along the way, and that's what you know entrepreneurship is just learning. So it's gotten easier, but it'll get even more easier as we continue to scale. Sure. So have you guys found any hidden talents from anyone? Maybe have like a, a linebacker play running back here and there. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, as far as, like, the business goes, I mean, you want to improve as far as, like, social media content just to, when you're reaching out to your target audience or um, it could just be just informing the, the public on what you do because that's, like, one of the main things. So social media marketing, I mean, we're not the best at it, but we're improving on it. We're reaching out to different people who are. And then as far as, like, coexisting with, like, you know, being a CEO, running the business, that's what we're trying to focus on. That's that's where I feel like we can improve on. But as far as like hidden talents in between the two, what do you what do you kind of think about that? Yeah, I don't. 
I don't know. It's kind of like, I guess, as far as like, again, just talking about the social media, um, it's not a lot of people. Like, you have your top gurus, but you don't see a lot of people who are kind of like at the bottom starting an ATM business, putting a lot of content out, especially with us being young and stuff like that. I feel like that'd be a great, well, that's a great area for us to focus on because we get a lot of like, sometimes, like one day I was walking down the street and a kid in my neighborhood who I hadn't talked to in a while came up to me and was like, I saw your ad or a video. I'm like, wow. So it's kind of, you know, with us just being young, getting that voice out, especially it's so easy, like TikTok, you know, Instagram, so easy to put out content and you have a multitude of people seeing that every day. So that'd be big for us. And that'll only allow us to, you know, constantly get more referrals and different people asking us how to get started. And that can allow us to help other people and also monetize that noise. So. Definitely, I love, love hearing that, being innovative, challenging the process, mm -hmm. thinking about outside the box thinking, and just find, and using those tools to be able to move forward. Yeah, yeah. sure. And it's the same thing with their business. I mean, your main goal is to, you know, impact students at like an innovative standpoint. Um, sustainability, it's, it needs to happen. Um, even in with like electric vehicles, that's sustainability in a way, because that's what President Biden, he's obviously pushing for stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, you don't really realize it, but many people are, like, impacted from what you're doing. So um, you're doing some good stuff, man. Thank you. I know everything that we're doing right now is all focused on that student level. Mm -hmm. But we see that greater impact. We see people, in, even, like, Europe. We made friends in the uh, Netherlands, Germany mainly, but we see people out there talking to us and being like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what you guys are doing. Okay. And that's actually a good stagway. Um, I actually have a... Can cut that sound out? <laughs> actually, we have here today the uh, Change Forward journal from the University Innovation Fellows, and this will be a short episode we'll have in the future where we hear about one story in particular, our story, that made it into the article, journal, focused on inspiring others by forging your own path. And this is a journal published by Stanford University focused on telling the stories of the different fellows in the program from America to South America, Europe, Japan, Asia, and just focused on telling our stories. So we will have a short episode in the future next week coming out on the content of this article. Go watch that, guys. Go watch that. <laughs> For real. It's growing. Yeah, okay. So transitioning into uh, more about what, what's happening in Carbonell, mm -hmm. from your guys' eyes and perspectives, I know, Andrew, you were with us last year. Mm -hmm. What do you guys see being the impact from your perspectives? So honestly, I think from like the engineering standpoint, if someone doesn't have like any experience with like innovation or just building things or just design in general, being involved in like something like the green roof, that can help them give them like some hands-on experience. Like that's that's essentially what you need to get the ball rolling when you're thinking of like engineering, um, technology, um, just having an idea and then making it into a reality. Yeah. So, um, and especially for like um, younger people too who want to pursue an engineering degree. Like when I was growing up, I always had it's crazy. Like when I was younger, like maybe like 
I don't know, seven or eight years old, I wrote in a journal that I wanted to be an engineer. I didn't know what type of engineer I wanted to be, but you know, through growing, like it took growing through college to figure out what I wanted to be. But I feel like if I would have had something that I can look up to, to try to, you know, figure out with what different pathway I wanted to go and be around other individuals, cause you all have like different majors and whatnot. So, you know, with younger people, they can figure out, okay, Nelson does this, this guy does this. Um, you know, can just talk and collaborate with each other. So I think that's pretty good what you guys are doing that way. And that was one key feature of our team was being interdisciplinary. So I know myself, I'm mechanical and the project manager side. Then we have folks who are aerospace, folks mm -hmm. who are electrical. And that goes back to like the football team. Like you build up mm -hmm. a team and you have all the different sides. You can't have a team of sure. just all mechanicals. Yeah. yeah. It allows a lot of different over. viewpoints, you know, to just different uh, mindsets and different ideas to come along. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, it's, it's key that you mention that because, you know, a design engineer, a mechanical engineer, they'll design the whole thing, but you might need, you know, a manufacturing engineer or like someone with like a engineering technology background to say like, okay, is this actually feasible to do what will actually, if you want it to be like a high production volume thing, if you're making turbines, well, can you actually build a certain amount in a certain amount of time? Can you, is it actually feasible to build? So that's like the main thing with that, having a team to determine that type of stuff. Sure. Project manager also, yeah. figuring out where to source the materials from and things like that, getting costs together, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely know our biggest challenge this year that we're focused on solving is manufacturing the blades low cost. Mm -hmm. Because usually wind turbine blade, small ones, it's much more feasible to do something like mode, injection, casting, where you have yeah. a super expensive cast and just keep on grinding them out. But if yeah. you're making a single set, that's going to be a pretty high yes. initial cost and not a great benefit. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It's more expensive. <laughs> And then from all of our work this year, we're actually focused on finding what our next step is and reaching out and making that impact larger. Okay. So do you guys have any thoughts or ideas on how you can see what we're doing now and expanding out? Mm -hmm. Honestly. Maybe the I, youth. Yeah, maybe. I like what you guys are doing as far as social media, because like that's going to be the biggest avenue. Mm-hmm. But I guess maybe like, you know, the youth, I wouldn't say focus on them more because you know, obviously can focus on everybody, but you know, I guess start um, maybe short educational clips or maybe, you know, for me, I like watching, um, if you guys, if you ever watch on YouTube, I don't know how the production goes to making it, but like the people who have like um, animated, drawings. animated drawings, I don't know, <laughs> something like that, yeah. just, you know, that really, for some reason, just catches my eye. So that could be another um, social media tactic for especially, you know, um, younger people trying to pursue an engineering degree or just want to be included in some type of engineering environment. So mm -hmm. that's something yeah. that I can think of off the top of my head. Because I, I mentioned the youth because, like, you know, it could be some type of, like, bridge program from, like, high school to college yeah, where you guys are giving more insight on, like, manufacturing or design. And they're learning that in the back end because, you know, you're designing the, the turbine yourselves, you're manufacturing your, um, it could be sales as well because you have to pitch yourself to different, like, investors. Um, so it could give, like, more light um, and insight into, like, you know, what type of majors there are out there because not every single 
not every single person's an engineer, not every person is like a finance major or whatever, but you guys can give that insight if you're in like the high schools. True. Yeah, have you guys ever have you guys went to high schools yet or tried to, you know, get in front of students to teach? We are in this um, semester and this year, so okay. we received a grant from Carmendale to go and talk to the local high school, middle schools about solar and okay. wind technology. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's pretty good. That's good, man. Yeah. That's some big stuff right there. Yeah, because when you think about sustainability as a whole, mm -hmm. there's the typical model is a three-pillar one, where you focus on the economic side, the social side, and environmental. So everything that we've been doing so far has been more focused on the environmental and the social if you include education into there. Mm -hmm. But now this year with the solar installation, we're grabbing onto the economic side and growing bigger on the social side by going to the schools. So that okay. way we hit all four, th all three pillars. Okay. okay. That'd be nice. Kids will get a, you know, a broader understanding of what I guess engineering in as a whole and mm -hmm. really to be included in an engineer like you said you got project managers you don't need to be an engineer exactly to be included in that type of environment like you said you can be a uh, project manager but you're talking to engineers and if you're a person that likes to be in control or likes to run projects that'd be good for a person mm -hmm. just to know because they have project engineers as well so yeah and even like the quality aspect of it like i know you're a quality engineer like if you're real nitty gritty on like what the dimensions are or how something has to be fit together, that could be something that you can look at too as far as like what career paths are out there. Sure. So. There's a lot of opportunities out there. Yeah, yeah. It's just, a lot. Just gotta decide on which one we're gonna pursue and put everything into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, early exposure help with, help with that as well too. And then one last thought. So in Southern Illinois, they do have a not as rigorous educational program. They don't focus on something like math, mm -hmm. which is why there's less engineering students coming out of the Southern Illinois area. Mm -hmm. okay. I actually had, have a few friends from outside St. Louis on mm -hmm. the Illinois side, and they wanted to be engineers, and they tried, but once uh, calculus being um, <laughs> coming too intense, they began to to their majors. Yeah, that, uh, that happens. It can be, those yeah. weed-out classes can definitely get you, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, about Platteville. So there's um, oh, yeah. our major is called Industrial Technology Management, but it's it's really like engineering technology. Yeah. And um, most of the people who are in that <laughs> major, they started off as like mechanical or like electrical. They couldn't pass those classes that like kind of weed you out. So they call it I tried math instead of like industrial technology yeah. management. They'll say like I tried math, I tried mechanical stuff like that. So it's. It's true, you'll see a lot of weed outs in that. And we're back. So, would you guys like to dive into H&F Visions? Tell the audience about what it is and myself. Yeah, so uh, we started H&F Visions, I think back in, it was like November? Yeah, time. November. Yeah, we started in November, we got our LLC in November. Um, it was kind of just, you know, just going Back to previously, previously what we said, you know, entrepreneurship has always, you know, been in our heads. So, I think one day we just like I'm always on Google, just typing in ways of how to make money. So I think <laughs> we just I might have typed it in one day and mm -hmm. came across the ATM business. He might have typed it in one day. We kept seeing it. We kept seeing it. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, man, I'm finna graduate. 
all right, let's just do it. And we literally, like, there isn't really any hesitation with it. We kind of, you know, he happened to find a good mentor um, that we talk to every day. So we ended up joining the group, talking to him. And it was really, you know, we did our research first because obviously before you get into any um, industry, you want to do your research, you know, see how much mm -hmm. capital you need, um, different risk involved because, you know, every industry, you know, there's different type of risk, downturns and things like that. So we did all that and, you know, we weighed our risk reward and that's how we kind of just jumped into the ATM industry. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, when you first start off, like when you mentioned mentors and stuff like that, you want to do your due diligence on that. Um, people who claim to be gurus or mentors, you want to see if they have the facts to back that up. Yeah, so definitely, definitely. that's like one thing too. If you're getting started in something, just make sure you have like someone who is knowledgeable about that industry, because then you'll kind of ease the the bumps and the challenges throughout that process. So. Yeah, because a mentor we have, I literally can you know you can call him at any one point in time, and he's quick. Like yeah. one day I would think I met for a business owner, and it was our first deal actually and just trying to figure out how to structure it and he literally told me this is what you can do and we ended up signing the contract so it's always good to just have a mentor that you can just call you know and that's willing to help you and just to also give you the facts as well and to back it up you know just you just don't want to pick anybody to be a mentor so how do you go about finding a mentor honestly so youtube is one way to do it but um some of the times when you have like youtube um, gurus or people who claim to be, you know, experts yeah. at an industry, they might, they'll honestly try to try to finesse you. I'm not gonna lie to you. They'll and, honestly try to yeah. finesse you. And they're hard to contact. Yeah. Because they're so big, you know. They're not just, you know, a lot of big, um, I guess, ATM gurus or people. They're in a lot of different other businesses, so they have a team to run their stuff. So you don't get mm -hmm. direct access to them. With our mentors, they really have direct like phone numbers. Yeah. Talk to them. Right. Message on Facebook, like. So, if you can call them, and they can answer all your questions, that's a good mentor. Yeah. So, um, definitely do your research on that. But you can go to YouTube, Facebook, um, Google. Then, not necessarily say like if you're looking for an ATM mentor, you don't have to put an ATM mentor, but you can just put up like ATM business or ATM in your area, and then usually a processor will come up. Yeah. If you contact the processor, you might get the actual owner. Yeah, so that's a good way, you know, just using the yeah, social media websites. Mm -hmm. um, Facebook is a good one. You know, you can join a lot of different groups on Facebook that can get you started. There's a lot of groups out there that are, um, have a lot of good people in it. You also can talk to other individuals that are in the business, and that's how you also build your connections as well. Mm -hmm. So with ATMs, is the market large if there a lot of com um, competition out there right now? Um, there's a, I wouldn't, there's infrastructure being built every day. So there's new, every person in this world has a business idea and they're going to bring that business idea to life. So mm -hmm. obviously for us, we like to target high traffic locations and businesses that have a need for cash. So, you know, bars, nail salons are a big one. Um, dispensaries, liquor stores, um, laundry mats. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different um, businesses that you know we try to um, go for, and there's a lot of infrastructure being built. But you definitely have those um, top competitors or people in the market. But I wouldn't say it's too saturated because, like I said, there's businesses being built every day, and there's people 
you know, starting new ideas every day that are going to need cash no matter what. So it's pretty. Yeah, it's, I wouldn't say it's too. Because mm -hmm. it's been around so long, the ATM business in general. So since it's been around so long, you could see how okay, some markets could be saturated. But like you said, there's different restaurants that's being built. Yeah. There's different bars that's being built casinos slot slot gaming cafes like stuff like that so i mean you have to do your due diligence due diligence on like you know is this location good is it a high amount of foot traffic um is there actual need for cash there yeah. like it could be a restaurant that's just opened up high traffic but if there's not really a need for cash at that yeah. restaurant if they if they're not selling liquor or um they don't have some type of like gaming there yeah. it might not be a, particularly a good location and I would so. say for like um, I guess as far as getting like um, bigger chains those are the hardest to get into because obviously the big competitors already have contracts in place so our bread and butter is kind of like small business owners but as you continue to grow your network those small business owners may know other bigger chains and you just never know you just may happen to get a referral with a location, say maybe a bar that has maybe 10 other locations across the states or just in particular, in one particular state. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you continue to grow your network, you'll definitely get those, or eventually start getting those bigger um, household names, per se. True. Sure. And like, just because you have a, a location, that doesn't mean you'll get the referrals. You have to actually yeah. like service the location properly. If someone is there and they can't get their money out, there's a bill jam. Know, are you available to readily go there and like actually service it um so that's a key thing when we talk about referrals like actually providing value for the business owner and the customers that use the atm so yeah so we recently funny story we actually just it's a restaurant that we have um the previous owner just left his machine there and we were able to come <laughs> yeah. in and just take over the location and it's actually been doing pretty good so a lot of times, it's crazy to think, but a lot of times there's great locations, but the previous owner just neglects the machine, and mm -hmm. you just never know. You should always, you know, early on, if somebody had an ATM, we didn't really, we just said, oh, they have an ATM and pass it up, but you never know if you don't go in that location um, or ATM may be out of service at the moment, mm -hmm. and that owner is probably desperate to get a new machine in there, or he just doesn't like the person who's operating the machine, and it just you know, takes you to just go up in there and see, you know, what's actually going on with that machine. So that's what you always want to do. So yeah. having good relationships with the owner. Yep. Yeah. Because a lot of our, our mentors Very actually, you know, they, most of their, because um, like I said, a lot of, you don't see a lot of people advertising their UTM business simply because of their risk and cash and things like that. But a lot of the older people who have been in it, you know, they grew their business off of referrals. But now with social media, we can kind of do both. So. so backtracking a tad bit, so when you guys were describing setting up the business, it sounded kind of like a business model canvas. Is that something you guys know about and mm -hmm. done in some fashion? So with the business model canvas, it's, it's definitely key when you have like a brand new idea. But with the ATM business, we didn't really need it because we had a mentor to kind of walk us through the steps of it. Um, but as far as like the ATM business, it's not extremely complicated to get into. 
Yeah, it's not extremely mm-hmm. common. Yeah. Like when you first start off, you'll need like a a legal representation. So like an LLC, limited liability company. Um, you can set that up. That's usually around one hundred thirty dollars or so, depending on your state. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's the first thing that you'll need. You'll need a business bank account. Once you get the business bank account, um, you'll pretty much have to call different corporations in your like area, and then once you do that, um, you have to just verify that they'll allow for ATM business bank accounts. So like that's probably one of the hardest steps. Yeah, this is so high risk. You know, a lot of banks it took us a while. You just have to be persistent with it. But a lot of banks, it's just so high risk. Um, they don't allow for individual ATM owners to get business bank accounts. And then just going back to the LLC, we actually got that waived because we were in school, so we mm-hmm. had like an entrepreneurship. In Wisconsin, they waived the fee for entrepreneurs, so that's the incentive that you get. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I think that's pretty much for every LLC that you try to create, as long as you're in school and can validate it, then you get an entrepreneurship um, a waive, you get the fee waived mm-hmm. an entrepreneur in school. Sure, and like you can check that if you just go to your like, state secretary state office so i mean it's all this stuff is online you know what i mean but you can contact different mentors you can contact us whatever it may be and it's like if you need help setting up a business that's not something that we would charge for it's literally just doing the research yeah yeah so for the finance side can you talk about the business bank account and how that's different than just a regular checking account perhaps Mm -hmm. so i mean You'll need a business bank account because that's how like the money recycles. So uh, just like an ATM machine, if you or just like a vending machine, if you buy a bag of Cheetos from a vending machine, you're gonna get charged for that. Well, if you take out money out of an ATM machine, you're gonna get charged for that. But if you just sell that, sell your money, well then you're only getting three dollars back if that's what you're charging, and you're losing twenty dollars. So the the idea of the business bank account is for it to recycle back into your account. So now it's, all you have to do is go to your business bank account, withdraw, let's say $1,000, and then you put that into your machine. Um, so that's that's the idea of it. You want it to recycle back into your account. So anytime someone withdraws money from your account, then you get paid for it. That's the idea, really. Yeah, it is, it's real simple, you know, the money, you're just making money off money, essentially, so. Mm-hmm. That's uh, really the basis of it. Um, pretty much, I guess, going from you know the business bank account, once you get that set up, you just wanna go on Google and you know find like anywhere you may, like I said, you can go on any type of social media, uh, maybe Instagram would be your best bet or Facebook, and then obviously your different type of search engines to find different processors. So you can type in ATM processors. And these are the people are, that are gonna handle like getting the ATM for you and then also handling your back office information and then programming the ATM for you. So you always want to make sure that you, well, I guess for us, working with a small processor is pretty good because you have them hands on, you know, bigger corporations, you really can, like if something goes wrong with your machine, you have to get put on hold or maybe on a weekend, Mm-hmm. Um, you just can't contact them. So yeah. when your machine's down, that's lost money. So working with a small processor that's very reputable and very trustworthy is a um, pretty good option um, or thing that we will recommend to work with because they're always hands-on. So. so from the bank institution side, 
What are some factors you want to look for when choosing which bank to work with mm -hmm. and set the account with? So I think that's really similar to like the processor, honestly. Like yeah. you want a you want a good business bank account. You want a good business in general just to be reputable, so people know of them. Um, they have good history, and then customer service as well. So you know, if you call customer service nine times out of ten, you know it could be something where you're waiting. 10 20 minutes before you're actually being served so that's another thing you know how responsive are they um, and then um, the withdrawal limits as well so like not every bank has the same withdrawal limit so like it could be TCF bank for example it could be you can only withdraw 8,000 at a time at a particular branch yeah. whereas like maybe if you go to uh, US Bank or another bank it could be 6,000 at a time so um, definitely you gotta do your research on like how much you can withdraw at a bank. And then um, to some other, some banks charge like a service fee. So like say for the particular bank that we work with, um, it's a $10 maintenance fee. But if you have $2,500 within that, you know, one month billing cycle, that $10 is waived. So a lot of banks do it for um, business bank accounts. A lot of banks don't. It's really not a big deal, especially say like for us, our bank is very good with you know um, communicating um, they always have the money that or the cash that we need to vault our machines we can take out um, decent limits so mm -hmm. like as far as like 8,000 you know we don't have to take out that full amount that particular day we can just chop it up and things like that and even if we needed to take out more we can just simply call them and say hey we're coming in this day we need this much amount of money they're able to always do that for us so mm. having that maintenance fee isn't really a big deal because you're going to make that was like we're going to make that back in two or three transactions so it's just ten dollars not the whole month but obviously like i said once you get to a twenty five hundred dollar minimum within your account then that fee is waived so mm -hmm. sure so that's another thing too just making sure you check up on what they're actually charging you that's very key. You don't want to go into a situation where you're just being charged and you don't know what, why they're taking money from you. So, cool. So, on the journey of setting up the business to where you are right now, did you see a, a point where it's like you can begin just being focused on the long term plan, then try and set everything up and go over that hump? Mm -hmm. So, I guess right now, yeah, we're just focused on a long-term plan. I think you mentioned earlier about um, the cost or the capital needed. You can use funding. So a lot of like our early on, you know, say like our first two machines, we did buy outright. But now, um, since we're earning a decent amount of money on those machines, we can use, we have access to you know, business credit, which is a very good tool to utilize. You know, our bank gave us a, a great limit once we opened and within you know six months you can always increase your limit so just leveraging that and try to look for maybe interest-free credit cards so you know we got a good um, interest-free credit card for a particular period and we were able to order you know two or three machines at a time and now the machines that we have are just paying off you know we'll use that money just to pay off our monthly payment every month so mm -hmm. we're not really focused on like like if we wanted to, we can take profits now, but obviously we want, uh, we have a long-term goal set in mind, so. True. So like, 
when you're talking about like scaling or the long-term plan of everything, um, it's just offering you know more services. So that's another thing that we wanted to do as well. So when we're thinking of long-term, long-term, you know, many people think okay, cash might be obsolete, obsolete in the future, um, but to combat that or hedge that, that's when we jumped into emergent services. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing too, doing your due diligence to partner with different companies. So uh, merchant services is pretty much credit card payments or card payments. Okay. Um, if you go to Subway and you pay with your card, there's a processing fee with that. That's where you know merchant services comes into play. So there's many different ISOs, agents that are making a killing just off of like being being a gateway to payments, accepting payments. So that's another way that we can, um, as far as focusing on long term, focusing on ATMs and then merchant services. So if they don't want ATM, you know, they may not like their processor that they're working with now, we can offer, offer them credit card processing as well. So that's another component of our business that we added. And then just trying to think of other different ways, you know, to add to our business or add value to our customers as well. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. Many different ways to scale, man. <laughs> I guess if you're um, a young entrepreneur or just looking to get into any type of industry, I would just say go for it. I mean, you get a lot of times where people say they want to do something and they just put it on hold. You know, the more time you wait, you know, the more I guess you're missing out on what you could have been doing previously. So. Even if you have, you know, friends, family, they say don't do business with family, but if you have a trustworthy family member that you know you can trust and do business with, you know, that's a easy way to just learn how entrepreneurship works. Like I said, this is uh, a first business venture, so we're just learning along the way, you know. If I wanna start another company down the road, all right, I understand how social media works and things like that, so if you're mm -hmm. an entrepreneur, I would just say go for it, don't keep waiting. Especially if you have somebody with the same mindset as you, you know, you guys can just work together and grow your business that way. It'll sure. definitely work out for you. And with that, we conclude our episode of Young Entrepreneurs with the Green Roof Team. Special thanks to your sponsors, the SIU Research Park, Energy at SIU, SIU Sustainability Office's Green Fund Grant, the University Innovation Fellows, CH Electrical, Entertech, RAS Coatings, AES Solar, Sprag Supply Group, H&F Visions, Silvix Forestry and Nursery, Nether Chance Studios, Climate Economy Action Network, and many more. And please visit our website for more information and follow us on social media. Stay sustainable, folks.